0: You're listening to Distilling Theology. I'm Blake. And I'm Justin.
1: And this is a podcast pairing discussions of theology and distilled spirits.
0: And dad jokes. Amen. What's wrong with
1: you people? You're not David. I don't know why you're clapping. I'm talking about you. Fatality.
0: You know... Starting a podcast about theology and distilled spirits is whiskey business. <laughs> I said that with a straight face. This is- Distilling theology.
1: Welcome back, boys and girls. It has been ages. And by ages, I mean not that long since I've seen you. And by seeing you, I mean talk to you through a microphone, and in fact, I'm not seeing you. But I am seeing my dear friend Blake, my co-host, my Presbyterian partner in crime. Buddy, how you doing?
0: Well, I was just telling you and Patreon about the very long, but but good and fulfilling day, but very long day, and uh, the three, three hours of sleep or so, you know, just uh, getting after it, man. But you know what? It's a good day to record and... Sip some spirits and be in good spirits uh mm. and talk mm-hmm. about the Holy Spirit with my boy. I'm just gonna keep uh <laughs> the spirited discussion uh going. But anyways, yeah, uh it's been fun. We uh we intended to record earlier this week for this episode, but life happened and we had another thing which is on Patreon. That episode won't be out for a little bit, but if you guys are on Patreon, you can you can check it out. It's an epic 3-hour oh, yeah. conversation with Dude, a guest. It who's great. <laughs> and uh, and that wasn't <laughs> so even good. all of it. Like we we were hanging out beforehand and we were hanging out after uh, except Justin who lost power. Well, actually the whole the whole town lost power, so I guess I
1: can't. Yeah, my whole village and several surrounding villages about 6,000 people lost power. Stop it. So that was fun.
0: He was, he was just tired of hanging out with, him. you You did the thing where it's like you pick up the phone and you start the conversation by saying, my phone's about to die. What's up?
1: <laughs>
0: and then you just hang up whenever you want. I yeah. so wish. <laughs> no, man, it was good. It was No,
1: fun. it was, I was bummed to, to lose out, but I texted him afterwards and uh, good. we had a little chat. It was great. Good so. sauce.
0: Good sauce. And Eric, good it was, a, it's always, it's always great to see that mustache.
1: Mm, uh, every time, dude.
0: I must ask you to come on, on the podcast more often. <laughs> oh, uh, thank you, studio audience, for that uh, humor. But <laughs> on that note, um, what's in our glass this afternoon, evening, whatever time of day it is? <laughs>
1: <laughs> whatever, whatever time. Bro, it I've is. been up since four thirty in the morning. I have no idea what time it is. <laughs> um. Yeah. Uh, I. I would love to be able to pronounce this. I know I can't. Uh, it is an amaro. Amaro. Sfumato. That's, that's close. rubabaro um, yeah. <laughs> Uh
0: Yeah, Amaro Sfumato. I, yeah, I don't Sfumato. say the other part. Yeah, I don't know.
1: Um, um, Yeah, but it's an Amaro bottled at 20% ABV, made with alpine herbs and the root of Chinese rhubarb. It is. So it's definitely got some interesting smells to it. Um tell tell us some more about it, Blake.
0: So it's distributed by Haas no, Alpens. Color. Oh yeah. For those on Patreon, you can see it is a very, very dark. Looks rich. like
1: Diet Coke. <laughs> yeah.
0: Doesn't smell like it though. Uh unlike um uh Amaro Averna kind of has a cola note to it. This does not. Mm. Um but yeah, so distributed by House Alpens, they do a bunch of these Amaros, these small family owned uh vineyards and distilleries um and p- producers, and then this place distributes. So it's actually produced by I'm not going to be able to say the whole thing, Um, (laughs) but it's the Capaletti family, and they've been making these kinds of spirits since 1906, so over 100 years. And actually, according to the website, almost all of the production is still done by the fourth generation of that family. Um, Apparently, this stuff can keep for up to two, possibly three years, question mark, Um, at room temperature. It keeps... uh, And that's like half full, it looks like. So it'll keep um, for... Three years easy if it's refrigerated. I don't refrigerate it because I usually go through it, it you know, more than three years. Um, sure. And just for those wondering, sfumato, what is that? Well, the term is derived from the Italian word for smoke, fumo, uh, and it's traditionally associated with a style of Renaissance painting characterized by subtle transitions between areas of dark and light, which complements very much this spirit's profile. Now, Justin, I, I know when you poured it, you commented on the smell. Um, just out of the gate, without looking anything up, what stands out to you out of the gate? One or two notes on the nose.
1: So right out of the gate, there's like an earthy, rooty sort of, um, um, almost like a, almost like a, it's a, it's a similar uh smell to what I get, let's say if I'm, if I'm deep in the woods of the Adirondacks, but mixed with, uh, kind of like a, a bit of a sweetness, maybe from, um, some sort of dark fruit or rhubarb or something like that. Um yeah. so it's it's definitely a unique kind of blend of of scents. Um but it smells good. It smells really interesting.
0: It does. There's a there's a bitter woodsiness that ca- uh like characterizes it for me with with a subtle smokiness. I don't think it's ju- like right the the smoke kind of play on words in the name is not by accident. So there's that kind of smokiness, that sure. bitter woodsiness. Um, and there is a sweet dark fruit note in there as well. It's it's a very complex scent. Um, I think to those that aren't used to, if you've never had an Amaro, I wouldn't start here. Yeah, no. <laughs> um, not. There are, there not. are there are other things to start with for this category of like bitter herbal liqueurs, um, but this would be in the the category of uh, digestif or something for after the meal um, as opposed to your bright, you know, like your your Capaletti, your Campari, your bright red uh, aperitivo or aperitif that goes before the meal. Um, so this is a, a dark spirit to enjoy or uh, a dark beverage to enjoy after a meal to settle your appetite. Um, you can have it with tonic, grapefruit so- grapefruit soda, or whiskey. And uh, there's a couple cocktail ideas on their website, which I'll mention in a moment. One says uh rum al pastor, which is plantation pineapple rum. Uh this spirit, a dash of orange bitters stirred and strained into a coop, garnished with a grapefruit peel. So I can I can see that. There's a Negroni variation where you use this in place of um you know, your campari And uh I've done that before. I've also used this in other cocktails, but enough talk. Uh let's taste this thing and uh, and get into our uh, our chapter tonight. Cheers. <laughs> oh, man, that is so satisfying every time. Mm. So complex.
1: Yeah, it, it, it's continuing to change. Yeah, there's like earthy, woodsy, smoky. A little bit of fruit, maybe some berries, some herbs, um, almost a little bit of pine.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that woodsiness, the the bare the yeah. woodsiness, um, <clears throat> the smokiness, and yeah, that that's like slightly dark berry flavor as well. Yeah. Um, it's a very interesting juxtaposition to have something that's kind of sweet and full-bodied like that especially at a lower alcohol by volume but then to have this sure. really bitter dry note but then like you have this really sweet note so it's kind of this it's a very complex blend and uh i i love it i
1: yeah that's really good
0: yeah and that's really good i meant to look this up beforehand i will look it up now and see what the local liquor store is selling it for it's not terribly much because if i remember correctly i don't know why i said that as if i uh, had a real answer. Mm. I looked at the wrong spot. Here we go. It's sometimes hard to find. Let's see here. Capoliti Amaris Fumato. Yeah, 20 bucks for a 750 milliliter bottle. Now, again, typically you're not going to drink this neat unless you're doing it like that after meal digestive um, or you're like us and you enjoy this kind of thing. I would also love this on the rocks. Um, and then, yeah, there's a bunch of different cocktail recipes. Uh, it goes great with whiskey drinks. Um, you can pair it with citrus, so like, sure. uh, I can even get a little bit of that tartness in the back of the mm-hmm. mouth now as it's sat. So pairing it with like a lemon or a lime juice or, or a grapefruit juice is not a bad idea. Yeah,
1: I was picturing like a citrus soda almost. Yeah, That'd be good.
0: Or you could take this and you could do basically the Americano cocktail. Um, mm-hmm. But with this, so you could do this that would in, be a, good, in yeah. a sweet vermouth or this in a capelletti uh, or Campari, <clears throat> and then top it with tonic or club soda. Like this with yeah, tonic, that would be good. And Capoletti. I think. I think I know what I'm going to do later, because um, <laughs> I love the I love the americano. Right, you get a, a nice rouge or a, or a red or a sweet vermouth, and then you get that bitter aperitivo and some tonic, and it's super. Blake, crisp. you're you're making me want to
1: come visit again. I know. That's what I'm. Trying I gotta to come do, visit, bro. man. Gotta visit, have some drinks. That's it, man. That's talk it. about theology.
0: I love it. And in the meantime, watch some PewTube.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah
0: it do be facts. It's out of control, uh, <laughs> but what is very in control is uh, the flow of this show because we are on a timetable, and I do have a counter uh, for that time. So it's time to yeah. get into some prayer and uh, and get serious, but not in Let's the do. Lordship guys. salvation way.
1: Uh, guys, the comment section is out of control. No. Uh, if you have a Valley of Vision, which we highly recommend you do, please join with us, grab it, pause the show, go get it, and then open up to page 84 on Regeneration. O God of the highest heaven, occupy the throne of my heart. Take full possession and reign supreme. Lay low every rebel lust. Let no vile passion resist thy holy war. Manifest thy mighty power and make me thine forever. Thou art worthy to be praised with my every breath, loved with my every faculty of soul, served with my every act of life. Thou hast loved me, espoused me, received me, purchased, washed, favored, clothed, adorned me, when I was a worthless, vile, soiled, polluted. I was dead in iniquities, having no eyes to see thee, no ears to hear thee, no taste to relish thy joys, no intelligence to know thee. But thy spirit has quickened me, has brought me into a new world as a new creature, has given me spiritual perception, has opened to me thy word as light, guide, soulless, joy. Thy presence is to me a treasure of unending peace. No provocation can part me from thy sympathy, for thou hast drawn me with cords of love and dost forgive me daily, hourly, Oh, help me then to walk worthy of thy love, of my hopes and my vocation. Keep me, for I cannot keep myself. Protect me, that no evil befall me. Let me lay aside every sin admired of many. Help me to walk by thy side. Lean on thy arm. Hold converse with thee, that henceforth I may be salt of the earth and a blessing to all. Amen. Amen. Oh. Guys, you have to forgive me. My voice, I, I've my voice has been partially gone for about, I don't know, a month now, dealing with uh, some sort of bronchitis. So <laughs> I still sound kind of strange and sick. So you'll have to bear with me here. But I love that. Right. And and yeah, speaking man. of um, regeneration, oh yeah, <laughs> and being justified by faith. Uh, <laughs> we are going to turn today uh, to Romans four. And uh, We're going to continue through the book of Romans as we have been kind of doing throughout um, throughout our podcast because every good Calvinist loves the book of Romans. And so we're working our way through. Uh, so Blake's going to read a bit for us and then we shall discuss yeah. this lovely word of the Lord.
0: I love it. We're coming into chapter four here. And just a reminder, you know, a couple of weeks ago we read chapter three and at the very end of chapter three, I just want to refresh that before we go into four mm, because it, mm-hmm. it flows right into the context, right? So this is verse 27 of chapter 3 from the English Standard Version. Paul writes to the Roman church, Then what becomes of our boasting? It is excluded. By what kind of law? By a law of works? No, but by the law of faith. For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. Or is God the God of the Jews only? Is he not the God of the Gentiles also? Yes, of Gentiles also, since God is one will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith. Do we then overthrow the law by this faith? By no means. On the contrary, we uphold the law. So now, as with that as a refresher of, of where we left off, let's go here into chapter four. Um, I'll, I'll just read the whole chapter and then we can discuss it. And if we get through the whole thing today, great. And if it ends up being two episodes, that's cool too. Even better. I love it. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So this is God's Infallible and inerrant word, Romans chapter 4. What then shall we say was gained by Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Now to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. without being circumcised, so that righteousness would be counted to them as well, and to make him the father of the circumcised, who are not merely circumcised, but who also walk in the footsteps of the faith that our father Abraham had before he was circumcised. For the promise to Abraham and his offspring that he would be the heir of the world did not come through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if it is the adherents of the law who are to be the heirs. Faith is null and the promise is void. For the law brings wrath, but where there is no law, there is no transgression. That is why it depends on faith, in order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his offspring. Not only to the inherent of the law, but also to the one who shares the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you the father of many nations. In the presence of the God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. In hope, he believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations, as he had been told. So shall your offspring be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead since he was about a hundred years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. it will be counted to us who believe in him who raised from the dead Jesus our lord who was delivered up for our trespass and raised for our justification amen A little lengthy section there um but so much good stuff in here about justification um and we've got about 20 minutes here to to dig in um so Justin what are just just reading through that with me and listening what are your initial thoughts on this chapter in this passage.
1: I, I think it's interesting. It's very important to look at these first couple of verses and, and to, and to understand them in terms of our covenant theology, right? Um, we can recognize that all men who, who have all ever been saved, have been saved through the covenant of grace, right? Uh, everyone's been saved by and through Christ, whether, uh, in this case, it talks about being credited to him as righteousness, and so uh, if he was justified by works, then he'd have something to boast about. So a whole bunch of the of Romans talks about uh, the necessity of faith being a gift, faith in our our salvation being uh, from faith through grace apart from works, and so this is uh, continuing on talking about specifically uh, that that if he was justified by works and saved by works, right? Th- this this gets into that whole, you know, our works meritorious. This gets into the whole uh, papacy, uh the the Roman Catholic re- religion versus the Christian religion. Um and then any other well, f- frankly any religion that's that's not Christian has some works associated with it. Um but but this is what separates us apart from the rest of the uh, of the religious world is that there is nothing that we can do because if we did do something, we would be justified by our own self, right? Um, and so there's that. So that, that's that's an important yeah. part. And it talks about his, uh, his righteousness being uh, counted to him or credited to him based on what? Based on his faith, based on his belief in God yes. and believing in who God is and what God's promises are. So he's looking forward to Christ. He's looking forward to... Um, the cross, as we're looking behind he's he's trusting God's promises and he's trusting god's word right and and it's through that faith that's a gift, not a work but a gift that he's given uh that is his righteousness is credited to him <clears throat> so
0: Oh man, yeah, it's so good, and I love i mean obviously paul is speaking with apostolic authority here he's inspired by the holy spirit um but it's also very much paul in his own studies right as as one who was very versed in the old testament scriptures and in the tradition of the jews and he this very rich legal background like he knew what was going on here and so i love what he does here in in verse 9 and 10 for we uh for we say that faith was counted to Abraham as righteousness, and then he does this move. How then was it counted to him? Was it before or after he had been circumcised? Like, I love that move. As he goes, okay. Right. <laughs> okay. You know, and, and I think for both, for both Baptists and Presbyterians, that can be, uh, you know, important because circumcision is the sign of that covenant, or, you know, I'd say that, it, the, that administration of the covenant Um, you would say that distinct covenant, Mm -hmm. but it's the sign of that covenant and baptism is the sign of the new covenant. Again, how we understand the the the, the continuity of those is different, but I think this is really helpful for us. And I I don't know off the cuff, but I would imagine that when our confessions talk about baptism, not being so tied to salvation as that somebody, you know, could, could convert and come to Christ and not be baptized and then, and then not be saved. um, You know, that, that, Baptism isn't so inextricably linked to salvation that that we can't be saved without it, but it is important to be obedient um, and to mark ourselves with the sign of the covenant. But here, I love this. It's like his faith preceded, in this instance, the circumcision. Now, I would I could flip that and talk about you know the following generations in the covenant sign, but we we won't go there right now. But I think it's just interesting that in this case, Abraham's faith precedes anything that he does and his righteousness precedes anything that he does in response mm-hmm. to the Lord right it is his faith it is his trusting and, and we get into this further on uh you know in hope he believed against hope he believed against what so, was logical so his
1: his faith preceded his faith preceded taking the sign
0: <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> again i could talk about his offspring too but we're not going to we're not going to go there at this moment because um My point in that is the righteousness. I love Abraham's offspring.
1: I said I love Abraham's offspring.
0: (laughs) Sounds like a weird band name. Um, But no, like, I I love this in verse 18, right? In hope, he believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations, right? Because the Lord told him this, and he looks at himself, and he says, you know, I'm 100 years old. I can't. You know, this isn't really going to work. And Sarah is barren. Um, And he's looking at the natural world and saying there's no way. But what does it say? What does Paul write here for us? He says he didn't consider, but he was fully convinced that God was able to do what he promised. That is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. Because Abraham believed in the promises of God, because he believed that God was faithful, that God was able to do what he said he would do. Which, you know, if you go back to that record and the covenant that's made, you know, who's the one that passes between the cuts of the meat, right? If, you know, not to get too technical here in covenants, but like those old Near East covenants, you would have the lesser king you know, of the kingdoms, the one that had been conquered would pass between the sacrificed animal and basically say, you know, cursed, th- this be done unto me. I, may I be cut into pieces uh, if I break my covenant with you, greater king. But in that record with Abraham, it is the fire of the Lord that passes between the pieces of the meat. And so in God's covenant to Abraham, God is promising, just as he does elsewhere, you know, he says, I, I, there's no greater name I can swear by but my own, right? God is making the promise of the covenant on the basis of his own character. And, you know, we see this in the incarnation, right? Where Jesus comes in, as we're going through Christology adjacent with this, right? Jesus enters into history and takes upon himself our covenant breaking and fulfills our end of the covenant. He, he fulfills that broken covenant, um, and it's so, so good. I'm getting getting chills here a little bit, but but getting a little too off topic because we're on Abraham and faith, but it, but it's all, it's all interconnected as we know.
1: Uh, Yeah. I'd like to look at uh, the correlation between Romans four and Galatians three, because the same, the same, uh, the same line of reasoning comes here. So, he says, Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the spirit of works by law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun by the spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain? If indeed it was in vain, did he who supplies the spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness, know then that it was those who are, that the, it is those of faith who are sons of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. So those then who are of faith are blessed among, along with Abraham, the man of faith. For all those who rely on works of the law are under the curse for it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. So we have this beautiful correlation between the law, mm. the law, in order to be justified by the law, you have to keep all of it. But we know elsewhere in scripture, it says, if you break even one uh, command, you've broken them all. Yep. And it's, we're, we're unable to do that. We're unable to keep the commandments. So the law exists in order to crush us, to point us to our need for salvation mm. And it points us to our need for faith in Christ, which is something that God gives to his people. So God foreseeing that the, right, foreseeing, uh, the scriptures foresees that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preach the gospel beforehand to Abraham. So Abraham's still saved by the gospel. He's still saved by faith in the gospel. We're all saved through Christ in the gospel. And so similarly, uh, this whole section of Galatians is essentially saying the same thing, that it is those who are of the faith who have faith that are the sons of abraham and it's those of us right the difference between ethnic and spiritual israel yeah. right not all who are of israel are of israel so if you are in faith you are a son of abraham you are spiritual israel and this is speaking of you and if you're if you're not in the faith then you're bound by the law and you have to keep all of the law otherwise you're not going to and you're going to be cursed <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, right. So I think that's a, uh, an interesting and a beautiful juxtaposition to kind of, uh, humble us and keep us from being proud, uh, in our salvation yeah. and in our faith.
0: Yeah, that reminds me. I, I also wanted to pull up a, a similar passage in, uh, Hebrews chapter 11, but your comment there reminds me of something I saw on social media that just ground my gears as it were. Um, this person was like, "Oh, Calvinism is such a privileged theology to think that you're saved and everyone else isn't, and how arrogant and blah blah blah." And I was like, "Like you are, you are reading the doctrines of grace as you know the refutation of the errors of the Arminian Remonstrants at the Canon <laughs> at Dort." Um, you're reading those five points through a man-centered theology. If that's your takeaway from Calvinism, is uh, you know, well, look how special you are. No, no that, that's the whole point. <laughs> the whole point is, no, I'm not. Jesus is is the one. Like, that—that that is the entire point. And, and if we miss that, then yeah, we, we're arrogant. We're a noisy gong and a clanging cymbal. But it is Christ alone. And we talked about this as we're going through Christ the Mediator. So this is all nicely interconnected. I can't wait to get back into Article 8 uh, or Chapter 8 of the Confessions. But Hebrews 11 here, I'm just going to read really briefly because it mentions um, Abraham down at verse 8, but just the first verse says, now faith is, the, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. I just want to pause for a moment and note that the author to the, to the epistle to the Hebrews does not say, now faith is the wishy-washy, you know, maybe it's going to happen, and I'm afraid, and so I just need something to make me feel better about myself. And to deal with life, no faith is faith isn't this weak, wimpy thing. It's picture. I mean, we're weak and wimpy. I'll I'll grant that. But faith is the assurance of things hoped for. It's conviction of things not seen. It's not just a mere, um, wishy washy emotional state. It's rooted and grounded. We talked about this, um, I think two weeks ago when I mentioned uh, that clip of Mike Horton from his book talking about the objective reality of the resurrection, like our our faith isn't fideism. We're not just closing our eyes and saying, okay, I hope it all works out. We're we're rooted in a historical reality and a future reality because the God who promised what's coming has, like, where has he he failed to keep his word at any point? He hasn't. Spoiler alert. Um, But I love that. (laughs) Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen for by it the people of old received their commendation. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. Which also ties to that comment in Romans that Paul makes uh, back in chapter four about um, God being able to make things where there's nothing. Right? Ex nihilo creation. People say, well, Genesis is is literary, and you know, it's a it's a literary explanation for the world and. You can't get ex nihilo creation out of Genesis 1, which I think is a little bunk, but even if even if I were to grant that, which I don't, the rest of Scripture attests to the fact that God created everything out of nothing. By his will and by the word of his power, he created all things, right? So, get out of here with that. <laughs> Just go, stop it. Um, but here we go. We're picking up uh, verse 8 of Hebrews 11. It says, by faith, Abraham obeyed. So it was... His obedience, notice, follows his faith. It's not as though, okay, you're 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 obeying me now. You're really faithful. It's he, he had faith and then he obeyed as a result of that faith, not as the the catalyst for that faith. Right? By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith he went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him in the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. And then we come down to verse 13, and we've gone through this whole lineage of faith, and it says, These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles in the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. Right. So, so we are looking, right? It is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. And so, coming back into Romans and beautifully juxtaposed with what you pulled up in Galatians there, Abraham's faith is not even like he doesn't even see the, the fulfillment of it. You know, we, we at least to some extent, I think, get to see fulfillment in our faith. Um, you know, in the specific promises that are given to us. And obviously then we have the eschatological realities that we look forward to. But for Abraham, the promises, you know, he had Isaac, but then he was a sojourner. He never really had the land, you know, and he didn't have the father of many nations. This is far further in time, but he's looking ahead and he believes God. He trusts that this God who promised is faithful and can and will do what he said he's going to do. Um, and then that challenges I mean, I'm I'm already feeling challenged because so I'm kind of like confronting myself here, like <laughs> Am I am yeah. I walking in that faith? Am I saying, yep, the God I worship is faithful and Jesus is coming back, and am I living in light of that? Am I moved by faith to obedience because I am trusting in that promise and looking for that city? Is that where my heart is? And you know, I think sometimes we get so caught up in our theological musings, we miss. This right on, the, on the, the surface of faith and hope. I mean, I, I know I, do. I can't speak for anyone
1: else, but I know I do. Well, I think, I think one thing that's interesting is we see these promises that God, we, we recognize that God is a God of covenants, right? And he makes these promises to us and these promises are seen all throughout scripture. The scripture to Abraham, right? This promise to Abraham that he's going to be the father of many nations is seen all throughout the scriptures. We see it in Genesis 15. We see it here in Romans 4. We see it in Hebrews 11, right? Um, and then we we see the fulfillment of Abraham's righteousness in Genesis 15 and 4, Romans 4, and Galatians 3, and James 2. And then again, we see more of this promise in Acts and in Thessalonians and, and throughout all of the scriptures. So we see the importance of right, God repeats his promises um, in his word because He is a God who keeps his promises. Yes. And we and, and Abraham knows this and he trusts God's promises. And so he has this this unwavering faith in the promises of God. Like you said, he's he's looking um sort of in a mirror dimly, right? He he doesn't see the extent uh of these promises in the future, but he knows that God keeps his promises and he trusts that those things are gonna come to pass, um, beyond just uh his his one son. And so <clears throat> I think it's interesting and I think it's it's really encouraging to us to say <clears throat> and, and what I don't want to do is be like one of these these mega mega church pastors and be like you know th- these verses apply to us all the time but we can look at the principles and say there there is the principle that God keeps his promises we can trust his promises his promises are given to us in his word. And that we can trust that even if we don't see the extent of what his promises are going to lead to, we're not going to see the fulfillment necessarily, even may- maybe not even in our lifetime, right yeah, but we can trust that if God makes a promise which he has several times in his word, we can trust that he's going to fulfill that promise and 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 we can have faith and and we ought to have faith like Abraham and in this case, right, Abraham's faith is credited him as righteousness. We want to be righteous. We want to be like Christ. So, how do we do that? We do that through obedience and through and through faith in Christ and His Word.
0: Yeah, yeah, man, ah, it's so good. I was li- I was telling you I was listening to uh, this chapter. I was actually listening to the first four chapters on uh, audio Bible on my drive home, and um, I ended up listening to chapter four at least twice. Um, And I would encourage all you guys at home, like, if you're listening to us while you commute, then on a lunch break or when you get home, like, open up your Bible and read. I mean, just read through all of Romans, you know, but read through chapter 4 and reflect on this. And if you have a study Bible or you have uh, Lagos, you can look at the interconnected and interrelated texts and see this beautiful web of Scripture, right? And, I mean, even just within Romans, you can see the, the argument that the apostle is making to the church there and is helping us to yeah. understand, right? Because he was saying, you know, what, what advantage does the, does the Jew have? Every advantage. And then later, you know, what advantage do we have? None, you know. And he's he's demolishing boasting in all directions. But then he's pointing to, okay, well, here's Abraham, our father, according to the flesh, right? He's the He is the, the, the patriarch of the Jewish faith. You know, even in many ways more significant than Moses in terms of shaping that identity. And Paul goes right there and says, look, he's not justified by his obedience to the law and his perfect works or his perfect following through. In fact, he's not even justified because he was circumcised in the flesh. He's justified by faith. And it's because he believed God. Mm. Right. And I, I think it's so, so beautiful. So it's funny, I remember the last time we were going through Romans, or maybe it was two times ago, you said there was you know, some some people saying, Oh, Paul ruins the New Testament, and it's like what? <laughs> like how, how do you read this and not feel encouraged as a as a believer in Jesus Christ? Um, like how do you not get hyped up seeing this? Um Man, that last section, too, is so good.
1: Yeah, I, I, I love some of, the, some of the phrasing here, right? And uh, in it, in it points to the unwavering faith of, of Abraham, right? No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised This is why he, this is why he, his faith was counted to him as righteousness, but the words it was counted to him were not written for his sake alone, but also for ours, right? So that we can look and say, okay, our faith can be credited as righteousness and it will be counted to us who believe, right? I like what it says. It says he, um, uh, in hope he believed against hope, right? How metal is that? That he should become the father of many nations. He hoped against hope, (laughs) right? I think that's, I just think that's epic. I think that's awesome. You know, uh, when his, I like how it says, you know, concerning his body, which was as good as dead, (laughs) right? He was as good as dead. Right. Or when he was considered the barrenness of his wife, right? Sarah's womb. And yet he hoped against hope and he had full conviction, full, fully convinced that God was going to do what he promised. That is the sort of like gnarly, awesome hope <laughs> that we can have amen yeah, yeah so guys uh as we reflect on the scriptures as we read through Romans uh as we pray for God for the spirit to illuminate the words of 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 Christ to us through his word um consider these right reflect on the faith of Abraham look at the 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 examples we have in scripture right the the patriarchs, the the early uh, men in the church, look to them and as, as an example, um, because they number one they were merely men, they were sinners like we are sinners, right? We are no they were no better off than we are, and yet we can look at them and we can say, uh, like Paul says, "Imitate me as I imitate Christ." Right? We can imitate these men as they imitate Christ, and through that alone, yes, right, have hope against hope. <laughs> right? And, and trust and be fully convinced that God will keep his promises and that he can do all that he says and that he will do all that he says he will do. Um, and in that we can find great comfort and encouragement and we can sleep well at night knowing that God will not lose his people. He will not lose us, right? He is in control. He is sovereign and he will raise us up on the last day, as it says in John. Um, so yeah, uh guys, we love reading Romans. We love doing this with you. We love reading through the scriptures together. We can never spend enough time in the word. Uh, we thoroughly enjoy it. Amen. And yeah, um, yeah, that's all I got. Blake, if, if there's anything else you want to add, by all means.
0: That's good. It's good. Well, thank you guys for hanging out with us again another week. a shorter episode, but that's all right because next week's episode is going to be long and then we have another very long episode uh, a couple weeks out from this. So, you know, we're trying to we're trying to balance it out. <laughs> uh, but if you don't want balance, if you want an unbalanced diet of distilling theology, then you can join us on Patreon starting at $4.99 per month. You'll get early releases, video streams, a discount at shopdistillingtheology.com. You'll be able to see our full interview with James Dolezal, as well as our full interview with Joe Thorne of Doctrine and Devotion, and other full extended conversations. Uh, I counted it up, I think among some of our Baptisty boys, just Joe, James Dolezal, and Sam Renahan. It's something like 10 hours of content right there. So, you know, what are you waiting for? You know, one Starbucks latte, and you can get all of these Baptists? It's not even just the Presby's, you know? It's great. Uh, $14.99 per month, you get all that, plus additional bonus content. And after your first three months, you'll get an exclusive Distilling Theology Patreon mug, which is pretty cool. But if the mugs aren't your thing, that's okay. We've got something for you at $29.99 per month. After the first three months, you're going to get a frosted Distilling Theology Glencairn glass. It's one of my favorite things to drink out of. Justin was using his tonight. I need a clean mine, so that's why I wasn't drinking out of it. Uh, And for those that feel ambitious and want two glasses after three months, join us at $49.99 per month. And, uh, yeah, it's great. I highly recommend it. I'm so grateful to everyone who helps make the show possible through patreon you guys help us with all of our overhead costs um help us with giveaways and being able to provide really great content for people uh and yeah you're just you're just the best you've helped us to upgrade our equipment so that you know we sound better and uh we don't we don't pain people uh on their ride hopefully or they're they're listening to the podcast um but justin if people (laughs) want more podcasts uh where can they go for more confessional solid content
1: Y'all, if distilling theology is not enough or if you just want more, head on over to the Society of Reformed Podcasters. Uh, go to reformpodcasts.com and you will get a laundry list of theologically solid, robust, reformed, Presbyterian and Baptist uh, podcast content more than you will ever be able to fill your ear holes with. I'm not even going to bother reading off the list. It just keeps getting longer and changing. Um, But it is a wonderful, wonderful group of podcasts. And uh, we cannot recommend it enough. Um, So, yeah, if podcasting is your thing, reformpodcasts.com is where you want to go. Trust me. Blake, if people want more of us, where can they go? Oh.
0: Well, uh, if you're not already, first of all, if you're not already, smash that subscribe button and uh, make sure that you're getting DT in your feed every week uh, except for the weeks that you know we, we surprise don't release an episode you know as as happens if you've been with us for the last almost three years which is kind of surreal and crazy to think about uh, but if you want to connect if you want to be social with us you can follow us on Twitter at Distilling Tea uh, we tweet some memes and stupid jokes and dunk on heretics uh you can follow us on Instagram for some books and whiskey photos and other fun things. Uh, you can also follow us on Facebook where we post updates. Um, we do some live streams there occasionally. But the real, the real secret sauce, the real, uh, the real assembly of Distilling Theology folks is in our group. Search for Distilling Theology. You can find the Facebook group. Uh, it's a blast. It's almost 800 members. It is still, to this day, the most sage stage reformed Facebook group on the internet. And uh, I, I, will, I will stand by that. Uh, it's great. We have some awesome discussions. And, uh, you know, I don't get tired of it. I love it. I, it's like the first thing. It's really the only reason I'm still on Facebook for the most part. Like, there's some family connections, but it's mostly for DT. Let's be real. Uh, Same. But, yeah, man, it's been great. Thanks for hanging out. Same. Thank you guys for listening. And remember, whatever you do, whether you eat or drink, do all to the glory of God.
1: So damn Gloria. glory.